Just as they uh, go back to their seats, let me emphasize and say this about those guys, the way they have grown and developed over this last year. When Sarah originally was on the, uh, the program at the beginning of the year, we had a conversation about marriage and such like, and she told us about the guy who was a partner, and she, I remember her saying to me, it's just a piece of paper. And we don't believe that a marriage ceremony is just a piece of paper. And I didn't say anything. I just left it with her. And then I heard, I didn't even have another conversation with her, really, about it. Then the next thing I hear, something's changed inside her, and she's getting married. And she is married now. And it's been really hard changing a name from Darnell to Gilbert and knowing of that. But just seeing the way she's been so teachable and open to the Holy Spirit. And then Rosemary... She said about growing in confidence. We were watching uh, Angie and I at the uh, open lunch on Friday where we have here. And to see her, she got alongside someone who was there, new for the first time. This person came. They never took their backpack off because you could see they didn't want to stay around maybe or they felt a little insecure. And Rosemary just got alongside this lady and she knelt next to her and eyeballed her as she was sitting in a chair and just spoke to her and directed us with some help that we knew we could provide for her. And to see the confidence and the compassion with which she spoke to those, that lady. So fantastic, both of you guys. We are so proud of you and looking forward to this evening. So think about it, guys. Think about doing the Journey Academy. Okay, I'm going to continue this series, Songs for Summer. And I'm going to come back and just say a little bit more about the Academy at the end. This is all from the Book of Psalms. And you should have some outline notes. If you didn't get these, just raise your hand. They'll have some of the Bible verses on that we're going to read and some points that I want to raise today in the little talk that I'm going to give you. From Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is one of the longest historical psalms. But it's called a mascal. If you read the introduction at the top, it's a song. Remember we said last week, psalms are songs. And this is a song written by Asaph. Asaph was a, a musician, chief musician in the household of David. And he wrote this psalm. And if you read it all, we can't read it all. It's a story about Israel's history as they went from Zoan in Egypt to Zion in Israel. And there's this journey and all that happens in between. And guess what happens? There are lots of ups and downs. How many of you know Life is made of ups and downs. Yeah, good. So that's at least nine of us. The rest of us are living a perfect life, and that's great. But life is like that. Life does a number on you sometimes. And when you read this passage in Proverbs chapter, in Psalm 78, you see all these highs and lows. And what you find is the patience of God is amazing. I am so glad God has been patient with me because I would have annihilated me by now. But God hasn't. I'm still here. And he's patient with Israel and he leads them through and it ends on a high note. So I just want to read the first part and then the last part, which is in your notes here. Psalm 78. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old, things we've heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonders that he has done. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, 
from tending the sheep. He brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel in his, of his inheritance. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. Tending the sheep, he brought them to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel's inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. I'm grateful to John Ortberg for some of the things I want to share today. I was inspired by a sermon by him on this very psalm. One of the best memories I have in, in my life that I loved was traveling to China a number of years ago, where I was able to work with what is called, or what we've called, the underground church. They're not called that there. They call themselves, they tend to call themselves house churches. But the underground church is the unofficial, the non-state registered church. And I had the privilege of going to teach with some of their leaders. It was an area called Kunming and we'd flown in and then we were put in a, a car. We, we were taken outside of the city to a, a block of flats. We were told, make yourselves small, put your huds up, we're going upstairs. And the first thing that struck me as soon as I walked into this room was the smell. I am not good with smells. So the first thing that happened is my involuntary response was, I don't know how to say this politely, was, was sick came into my mouth. And so I've, I'm like that and I'm swallowing it and I'm thinking, I've got to do some teaching here with these people. I go in, swallowing hard, trying not to breathe through my nose, just breathe through my mouth. Uh, and, and I go to the front and I look out and there's all these leaders, not one of them was over the age of 30. And not one of them, not one of them had escaped persecution. All of them, in fact, had been at some stage in their life imprisoned, either for a short term or for a long term. And the room was packed. They'd already been there days before we arrived praying. And every time there was a knock on the door, there was a panic amongst them because they thought, is this someone from the authorities? But normally, it was someone who'd heard there were some teachers in town and they were coming to join us for the days that we were there. They had, they had worshipped like I have never experienced before or since in any context. There was no worship leader, there was no musicians but they sang with tears streaming down their faces. And they were old songs. They weren't new songs that we knew. But I recognized the tune. Obviously, it was all in a foreign language to me. But the tunes, one of them they sang was, was I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. And another one they sang was, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To hold his hand and walk the narrow way. And tears streaming down their faces. I just say this, I feel to say this in this, this moment now. You will get bored with church. Church gets boring. I'm the pastor, I know. But you will never get bored with Jesus. And we don't want you just to love C3, we want you to love Jesus. And he will satisfy you and he will keep you. And when it's tough and the seasons, Jesus will hold you. We want you to know him. And these guys, they knew Jesus Christ. And so at the end, you know, the new normal thing, would you pray for us? So I thought, yeah, of course I'll pray for you. And I, I, I'm about to pray, but before I prayed, 
one of them came over and gave me some instruction on how to pray. I guess they'd had some Western guys in before and they knew what we were going to pray. And I was going to pray that life would get easier for them, that the persecution would stop. He says, please, this was through the interpreter, please don't pray for the persecution to stop. Please don't pray that it will get easier. Pray that we will have courage and pray that we will evangelize more in our nation because we don't want it to stop what's happening. There are people coming to faith and we look on in other nations where it's easy and they said it doesn't seem to be the same. Don't pray that it will stop. Pray for our courage. Now this is in a place where the government and the schools officially promote atheism There are over 1.3 billion people in China. And when any one of them becomes a Christian, it's not because it's for convenience. It's not because they think it's going to be for an easy life. It isn't. Estimates say that there are somewhere between 80 to 100 million Christians in China. And that in the next 15 years, hear this, with the numbers that are coming to faith, that by the next 15 years, there could be up to 245 million Christians in China. Did I hear? Wow. No, I didn't. Uh, That means there will be more Christians in China than in any other country in the world. Now, we know it's because there's a lot of people there, but in that, there'll be more Christians in China. This is unbelievable stuff. This is what John Altberg says. Listen to this, and I put part of this quote in your notes. The strange thing about the church is, the steeper the challenge, the higher the price, the greater the demand, the more noble the church. The church is usually at its best when the world around it is at its worst. That's what I put in your notes. The church is usually at its best when the world around is at its worst. Now, come into the UK scene for a moment. Everybody I'm hearing, and especially everyone I'm reading on Facebook, and especially some Christians, at this moment in time are prophets of doom. And I'm refusing to listen. I'm sticking my fingers in my ear on some of the prophets of doom and I'm going, la, 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 la. I just don't want to hear it. Stop it. We do have a leadership crisis right now in the nation, don't we? We do. The trust in politicians is at an all-time low. I mean, we thought it couldn't get any lower with the expensive scandal a few years ago. But I was with, and I won't name him, I was with, with a group of other leaders from across the nation of what were called significant churches, we, whatever that means. I was with a politician, career politician, Christian man, and he, this was before the referendum. He said, you can't trust anyone in my party or in the other party. You can't touch, this was be, whether it's to leave or to stay. He said, they're all getting you to look at this, but they're not addressing these issues down here. He said, and I'm a politician. <laughs> He said, but you can't trust them. It's, it's deeper now, the lack of trust in leadership in this nation and in the circles that I'm moving in than in any other time we can remember. He said, we may, and others have said this, and Facebook has definitely said this, we may be on the brink 
of another recession and economic hard times. And everyone's prophesying doom and gloom. This is what I want to say today. The church, the people of God, have historically and frequently prospered in such times. Famine and fear do not go together. When there has been famine, read your Bible. The people of God have prospered. And we're not going to buy in, are we? Everyone said, no, Steve. We're not going to buy into this negativism that's around that makes us frightened and fearful. Everyone's scared. God ain't scared. God's in control. God's on the throne. God still rules. Hip, hip. Yeah, that was good. God, God knows. Look, kingdoms rise and fall and rise and fall. And God still laughs in heaven and says, why are you panicking? Christian, trust. Believer, no. It's not time for negative reports. It's certainly not time for us to back off or to back down. Psalm 78, listen to what we read. We will not hide from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. Repeat the good things of God frequently and consistently. In Israel, they set up monuments, not so they might look back on the hard times, but they might look and say, what do those stones mean? And they would tell the stories of the deliverances of God many and various ways. Repeat them every day. Wear the word on your, on your head and on your hands. It was to say, keep hold of God's word and God's ways. Everything else may change, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And according to this psalm, my people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. Tell your ancestors like they told us. The descendants will tell the generations the good things, the praiseworthy deeds of our God. And what John Ortberg points out, and this is why we've, kept these chairs here about this psalm is that this psalm kind of addresses three generations and these three chairs represent the generations the one where I'm sitting this one represents us this generation those of us that are here and now some of you when you came to this church all of you in fact when you came to this church building there was a seat ready for you. You didn't know it, but that seat had your name on it. Some of you have been around now for the last nine, ten months. You've not gone far away from the seat you first sat in. That's okay. There was a seat with your name waiting for you. Some of you, when you first came here, you met God in that seat. Some of you, for the first time, you lifted up hands. Some of you, you sat at the back. But when we do next phase, we realize there's a little bit dark at the back. But some of you are really pleased that it's a little bit darker at the back. We're going to put some more lights there. Because you could hide because you didn't know what was going on. And you chose a seat right at the back. And you thought, if it gets a bit weird, I can get out the back. And then you saw people raising hands. And you thought, what, what, what's going on now? Do we need to put our hands up to go to the loo? Do we need to, what, what's this about this? But you stayed. And somehow, somewhere, you encountered God. And it changed the trajectory of your life and your eternal condition forever because you sat in a chair in this generation 
We prepared it for you. Some of you were healed physically. Some of you were healed emotionally even today as we were singing about the peace of God in the chair where you are that was prepared for you. You experienced something of God's peace and presence. That's this generation. Someone probably invited you here. Probably. Some just walk in off the, 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 the street. That's great. Position we're in. But someone probably invited you to this place. Whatever your story, probably none of us came to faith by ourselves. Someone led us along the way. Last week, when I was here, I met someone in the foyer. It was the first time that they'd come here. And I said, how did you get here? And said, same old, same old. Someone invited me. Someone invited me. I'll talk a bit more about that later. So this is this generation. This is what this psalm represents, this generation. But we are here because there was a generation that went before us. And this chair here represents the generation that went before us, that they somehow told us of the good things of God. That someone somewhere said, to, I was first taken to church by my mum and my dad. I am so grateful. It changed my life forever. They were the people, this previous generation, that took me to church. Not only is it about this generation, but there was a previous generation that paid a price, a sacrifice, in order for us to enjoy what we enjoy today. Thank God for the previous generation. Amen? But not only does it speak of this generation and the generation before, but also a future Generation. It says, we will tell their descendants from generation to generation of the praiseworthy things of our God. And here's the danger, and here's what I want to say to us. There is a danger that the past generations stay in the past. And there is a danger that this present generation looks too far to the past and stays there because that's where their vision is. But there's also a, a danger that they look too far in the future and they don't address the present. But it's better for us to be more aware of the future than it is just to stay in the past and to keep our eyes on a future generation. Because if we don't, in a generation, the church won't exist. I thank God for my mom and my dad. But I'm also really saddened when I look at the church that they're involved in. Oh, my dad no longer is in heaven. He's in a great church right now. But my mom, and I think... They're stuck. They're still there. And I love them and I appreciate them and I came to faith there. A few weeks ago, as a family, we were there for my mum's 92nd birthday. And when we were there, Mr. Rowcroft, who's one of the young people from the church, came. Mr. Rowcroft's 83, which tells you something. And he came in and all I can remember about Mr. Rowcroft in the past was that he didn't come to church his wife did and his son did. His, wife, his, his son got saved, became a Christian, he became a pastor. And all I can remember about Mr. Rokoff was that he didn't come to church and that he was an Everton supporter. Two big negatives in my book. All right, I think the Everton supporter was an obstacle to him coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But he, he was, that's all I remember about him. But they used to pray for Mr. Rokoff. And Mr. Rokoff... I think about 15 years ago, but it could be longer because it all merges into one. Uh, he, he became a Christian. 
I think he's still an Everton supporter as well, but he, hey, Christians don't pretend to be perfect. And so he, he, he's, he, he's came along and he got saved. So he's been in the church about 15 years. Well, what happened while we were there? I saw the two of them, so the 83-year-old, the 92-year-old. They both went into a quiet moment. I thought, aye, aye, what's going on here? And I heard Mr. Rowcroft say to my mum in a whisper, I don't like what's going on in the church, do you? She said, no, I, I don't go as often as I did. And she can't. He says, I don't like the new choruses. And I don't like the guitar. <laughs> the days are here. He said, I don't like the guitar. We don't sing the old hymns like we used to. Now, I love my mum and I love Mr. Rowcroft. But I realized in hearing that moment, they are so in love with the past. And you know what? They don't realize it. They're not even in love with the past of the 70s. They're in love with the past of the 50s. In fact, it's more like the 1890s, the hymns that they sing. They're still there. And they are great hymns. They are full of theology. I love them. They're great. Like Bono said last week when he was in our service, not great tunes, but some great truth. Better than some of the stuff we sing. Better than some of the, by way of theology. But it's stuck in a past and they love the past so much that the, never mind the present generation, what about the future? And we must not be so in love with our present that we fail to keep an eye on the, oh, we honor the past. Thank God for the past because we wouldn't be here without it. And we will be the past soon. But this psalm tells us, make sure with everything that's going on, you don't just batten everything down. You don't say, hold the fort for I am coming. You say, no, there's a future generation. There are better days ahead. There are still great things to be done through the church in our generation and in future generations. And we're going to tell everyone about it. Don't go quiet. Don't go negative. Prepare for the next generation. When I say next generation, I'm not even just talking age-wise. I mean those empty seats that are next to you. Those empty seats that are next to you. It's about people, more and more people come in to know Jesus. Not just filling ourselves with more knowledge. You know, people, I spoke to someone who'd left at a church where there's a great Bible teacher. And it was so funny because this person said to me, I've left because the teaching wasn't deep enough. And everyone knows he's got a great Bible teacher there. It had nothing to do with the great Bible teaching. What I realized was this person got bored. They were looking for something else to tickle their ears. And so they'd moved on. But now it's not wrong to move on. We have people moving on from us and people moving to us as well for all kinds of right and wrong reasons. But I realized they were more in love with the way something was being done and something had changed than the message that was not just for them but for others. I know more Bible than I live. Anybody know that? I'm still struggling with loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving my neighbor as myself. <laughs> I'm still working through those two things. And I'm the pastor. <laughs> I, I st sometimes I really get fed up of people. And I'm a pastor. And then other times I talk to someone. They hear the journey. And I think, oh God. Keep my heart soft. I just want to say some things to you by way of questions as we finish. They are not going to take long to consider of what you might do, you and I might do for this next generation 
like the previous generation, some in the previous generation did for us. Not all, some. Will you do these four things? These are questions. Will you keep inviting others? Keep, no, everyone is welcome, but nobody usually comes on their own. It's because they're invited. Invited. I used to get all worried about bringing people to the church and, and would, would they get more in love with the church than they would with Jesus. If we're doing our job right as a church, when we invite them to the church, they'll meet Jesus. Like today in the worship, they'll meet Jesus. So we get all, oh, oh, I don't want to just be attractional. I've read all the books about attractional church or missional church. Some of you, what's he going on about? I want to be an attractional missional church or a missional attractional church. The two aren't separated. We don't all have to look like, the building doesn't have to look like a dog's dinner. The music doesn't have to sound awful just for it to be Christian. We want to do things well. Someone said to me the other week after the service, because they come here and they said, oh, you've got great screens and good media. Do you find it hard to go deep with people? And part of me wanted to say, because it's all showy, part of me wanted to say, oh, yeah. And I thought, I'm going to be honest. No. Of course you don't. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. We can go deep and we can do it well. The two go together, don't they? That's what happens at the end of this psalm about David's leadership. He was skillful. So what he did was good, but his heart was right. And the two are perfectly possible. In fact, that's the way it should be. So I want to just say to you, keep, keep inviting. When I spoke to the lady, and you may be in the room now, last week outside here in the foyer, I said, hello, my name's Steve. What's your name? Tell me your name. But how did you come here? And she looked at her friend, a name, Ali is a friend. Ali brought me. And then she said, and if you're in the room, forgive me. I'm telling your story without your permission. I won't share your name she said my uh, my partner committed suicide a couple of weeks ago and I'm desperate for something and like I said to you a few minutes ago some people get on my nerves when I meet someone like that my heart just melts because that could be me that could have been you they're no better than us life's done a number on this poor guy that he had Manic depression, he, and, he, and he took his own life. He's bipolar. And I said to this woman, I'm so glad you're here. Do you believe in God? And this thrilled me what she said. She said, I don't know. She says, I'm seeking. I'm seeking. And I just said to her, well, you've come to the right place. Seek and you will find. Because God's here. And I'm not ashamed to say that. God's here. A lady in the break between this, uh, the first service and the second one, she says, I just want to know God. <laughs> You're in the right place. <laughs> Let me introduce you. His name is Jesus. I, I was witnessing to another woman who came. She came with someone from the church a few weeks ago. And we met, after, we met later on in the week in, in the room, room one here. And, and I won't go into her background. She just said, you guys are just all about Jesus, aren't you? I said, absolutely. <laughs> all about Jesus. And I haven't got all the answers. All the, you know, we're facing more mental health issues and people coming in and you're welcome, you're welcome. And I haven't got all the answers for them other than to say, we're not a social services, we're a church. And Jesus, he heals the broken hearted. 
And he sets the lonely in families. And Jesus restores minds and heals bodies. And that's who we're showing you. Jesus. Would you invite? Would you keep inviting? Our evening service will not grow by just having a space. It, it grows by us inviting. Secondly, this. When people are in the room here, we have this opportunity to be evangelistic. Will you connect? And this is nothing to do with the connecting. Do not think because someone's wearing a connecting that we've got it all sussed. We're going to introduce something new next week. I'm not going to tell you now that ruin it, but it's a really good idea and it's to help connecting. But we can do, when we say to you, turn around and speak to someone you don't know, we're not saying it to fill a space while the kids go out. We want you to connect with someone and just maybe you'll hear something in moments because people, rightly so, in the presence of God are vulnerable and we want to, I don't know how to say it, that sounds manipulative, we want to capitalize on that vulnerability because it's a good vulnerability. They can be introduced to Jesus at that moment. So connect. Will you connect? Don't leave it to the connecting. What about this one, number three? Will you be Generous. Generous. Now, this isn't just about money, but it is about money. Because we've got a great building, we're going to finish it off, and it's going to cost a lot more money than they ever told me it was going to cost. But we're all right, remember, remember, we've got the money. It's just in your bank accounts, but we've got it. We've got it. We'll do it. But will you keep being generous and keep being diligent in your generosity of your time, treasure, and talents? Thank you to those of you who volunteer. On Friday night, the youth team that are here, 66, 70 youth on a Friday night. You know why we can do that? Because of a great team of volunteers and because we've paid some people as well to do it well and organize it. It's the both. Money is not, uh, 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 incidental. Would you keep giving? You know, I've told you here, if you've been around January, February, March, April, our money just went like that. It was wonderful. I love I loved loved to see the chart going up. We need it all, by the way. And then in May, we had a great offering in April. Then in May, it went down. Now, you're not leading it. I don't tell you all this. Oh, no, no, no. We've made some decisions based on that. What are we going to do? I don't know why it went down, because it came back up again in June. Oh, okay, you're clearly not excited as I am. All I'm asking you to be is generous consistently. You see, summer holidays are coming up. So what? Don't you dare let the finances of giving to God through the local church go down because you're going on holiday. God doesn't go on holiday and we've just got to pay the bills. He said. Will you be generous with your time? Maybe some of you, you've connected now, but you're not serving here. It's time to serve. Now, those of you that serve tremendously, don't at this point go all guilty. Sometimes some of the, the, the biggest givers, the biggest servers start to think, oh, is it me? Is it me? No, it's not you. You're fantastic. No. But the others of you, it is you. <laughs> there is a big finger from heaven that needs to come on you and say, come on, guys. Stop leaving it to the others. Get involved. Give time, treasure, and talent. Thanks to Sarah, who's coming in and going to help us with some of our database stuff. Because she is a machine in regards to this area. <laughs> she just sees it. Ah, she's going to help us. It's a gift. Others of you have got gifts you can give us. And, and involve together. Come on, come in. This is one of those messages that's saying, don't stay on the fringe. 
come in. Why? Because of this generation. Not guilt. Guilt will never get you. But this generation that we need to make sure we are more focused there than there. Not forgetting the present. We have great pastoral care because we have people that are trained and equipped to go and do it. That costs money and time and treasure and talent. Finally this, musicians, would you come? I'm going to stay sitting here so you don't take this away from me too quickly. And you can move around me. Will you commit yourselves to growing? Because we are not just about numbers. Though we are about numbers because every person, every person matters to God. Never forget that. Steve, never forget that when you're so frustrated. Every person matters. And every child matters. We love kids. Introduced to some kids in the, in the break between the two services that they have special needs. And the parents said to me, we've been around some churches, but the church can't cope with the special needs of our kids. And I don't know if we can. Oh, but I hope we can. Because the special needs kid really counts. And I hope we can. I hope we can find a way somehow. They find a home. Every person matters. But you are responsible for your own growth as well. And I want to ask, will, will you commit to growing? Will you choose to say, I'm not going to be the same now. We're going into the kind of summer break. And it's great. There should have been seasons and summer breaks. I'm, I'm glad for a summer break. But will you commit to saying, I'm not going to stay where I am. I want to be different in a year's time. I, I want to be different. That might mean you're coming on the Leadership Academy. Asking your boss, can I have some time off on that day like Sarah did? At the end of this psalm, it says this. David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands he led them. I know we need competent leaders in every area of society. Skillful hands. But there's an order. And the, the order in this psalm is integrity of heart. And you can have someone that's super intelligent and super skillful and got all the MBAs and everything they have. But if they haven't got integrity of heart, and we see this in business all the time, it will fall like a pack of cards somewhere. Even if that pack of cards is falling when they stand before God on the day of judgment, because he sees it all. And we in the Leadership Academy, we, we want to, sometimes I've wondered, should we call it leadership? Because you think, well, no, I'm not a leader. If you've got a family, you're a leader. You have to lead your children. If you, if you if, 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 I, I think if you're a Christian, you're a leader because salt and light, you're there to influence your world. And leadership is influence. And maybe you should consider coming on the Leadership Academy. But it won't just be about the competence in your skills, your hands. It'll be about the heart like Rosemary talked about. And we want to work on your heart. And we want to work with your competence. And you will be a better leader in your home, in your workplace, in your community, in your political party. If you want to join, go and lead. Go on. Don't be afraid of it. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And in every, we're not just about making up church leaders, making church leaders. We want good church leaders. We need good church leaders, don't we? You deserve a good church leader. But it's not just about, it's in every strata, in community, in education, in business. And we want to train leaders. So think about it. Or maybe you need in the new year, I always think September is a new year, to do the growth track. 
and to find and discover your gifts and where you can play your part in this church because we're here to make a difference and to not be prophets of doom but to declare God is good God is great God's in control and we are part of the solution we are part of the answer oh yes we are and we need leaders in every area of life so think about it skill and integrity of heart let's stand and sing this beautiful last song